0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Bridget. My name is Jonathan Van Meren, and I'll be your host for the next half hour. Now, we don't have a lot of Canadian politicians on this show. We've had a few members of Parliament. Uh, most recently, I think we had Arnold Viersen on to talk about Motion 47, which asked that the Canadian House of Commons set up a committee to study the connections between pornography and sexual violence but now we're going to be talking to one of the conservative party leadership candidates for the few of you who may not know this or for the americans who are listening canada's conservative party is currently uh, selecting a new leader to replace stephen harper uh, who resigned his seat after uh, losing his majority in the last election and one of those candidates is a man named pierre lemieux and the reason he's important is because he's created a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of excitement uh, for social conservatives because in Pierre we have somebody uh, who can sit down and speak with the media, to speak with journalists, to speak to audiences right across Canada and he articulates socially conservative values he does so unapologetically he does so winsomely and so social conservatives feel well represented and then of course enthusiastic about somebody who can articulate their views uh both fearlessly and winsomely which is so important because social conservatives in canada have felt very mocked uh they have obviously been intentionally sidelined You have people like the current Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, uh, putting forward a vision, an idea of what it means to be a Canadian that specifically excludes social Conservatives. And even inside the Conservative Party, there's uh, this increasing fear uh, that Conservatives don't want to articulate social Conservative positions because they feel like they're not electorally viable. That, of course, is in large part due to the fact uh, that the newspapers, no matter what, and regardless of the situation, love to portray social conservative beliefs as electorably unviable, and this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I had the pleasure of meeting Pierre uh, last week at a presentation I gave uh, at the Association for a Reform Political Actions, God, and Government Conference, uh, after which I, I met him again at the March for Life the following day, where he was speaking. So uh, I, I thought his stump speech was really exceptional. I thought he was a phenomenal communicator. And I would really encourage any of you in the short amount of time you have left to make it out to one of his events if you can, and just hear what he has to say. And in the meantime, uh, Pierre was kind enough to agree to come on the show, And uh, we have a conversation about what it means to be social conservative in Canada. And I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So to start off, just uh, tell our listeners a bit about your campaign. It's got a lot more visibility in the last couple of weeks. And so uh, quite a number of people might want a, a larger explanation of what it is you're all about.
1: Right. So, uh, as you know, I'm Pierre Lemieux. I'm running to be leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. We've been running an outstanding campaign from the very beginning. I've been really, really happy with the engagement of both Canadians who have bought memberships in the Conservative Party to support me and to support what it is I'm running on, but also Conservative members who have indicated, like, yes, you are speaking to things that matter to us. You're talking about issues that other candidates are not talking about. And that's making a difference. It is energizing us. It is renewing our, our faith in politics and in politicians. And what can we do to help? So um, when I present myself, as I did to your students, actually, you, you had youth come to Ottawa to do training mm-hmm. and uh, you afforded me this wonderful opportunity to speak to them. And, you know, I explained very briefly that I cover a lot of issues that matter to Canadians and to Conservatives. So reduce government spending and lower taxes. I want to focus on job creation I'd like uh, us in eastern uh, Canada to have access to Western Canadian energy. I support our men and women in uniform. uh, And I have concerns about immigration and refugees, the same concerns that Canadians have about security uh, and not wanting terrorism to come to Canada. But then I explain my platform is even wider than that. Like, that's a wide platform to start. But there are lots of leadership candidates who have a very similar type of platform width in terms of issues. I go even wider because I start talking about... Um, really important things like freedom of speech and political correctness. We must push back on political correctness and we must protect our freedom of speech. We must stand to protect our freedom of speech because it's being eroded uh, by a, a number of different motions and initiatives in Parliament, as well as just political correctness is alive and well in Canada and we need to push back against it. I also talk about the value and the strength of uh Social conservatives, people with faith based values, and people with life values who value life from the moment of conception through to natural death. I I see these values as a strength of our country. I see them as a strength of our party, and I want a bigger party as leader. And I say, if you have these values and you are not in the conservative party, then our conservative party is too small. We need you to be politically engaged. It's in your best interest to be politically engaged because. Your ability, our ability to live our values freely, to be able to express them within society, that is all political. So political engagement serves us well. We need to be involved, especially in a leadership race, uh, to be leader of the Conservative Party
0: of Canada. And let's just let's discuss uh, the pushback against political correctness a little bit more because one of the things people have been getting excited about in your campaign is the fact that the Canadian establishment you know be that the CBC be that certain politicians be that those who uh, go after anybody who who de- uh, defects from a certain script. Canadians want to discuss certain issues that aren't considered worthy of discussion by the establishment, but it also pigeonholes what it means to be Canadian at the March for Life. You said, I am Canadian, and your point was being that you held socially conservative views, but that had nothing to do uh, with how Canadian you were. In fact, as I pointed out in my speech to the same students that you spoke to, Canada has a 48 year legacy, for example, of permitting abortion on demand as opposed to a over century long, over century long legacy of protecting children in the womb. So when we're asked to look back at our Canadian heritage and ask ourselves what it means to be Canadian, we actually have choices. And this is sort of a a new discussion for a leadership candidate to be, to be wading into.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, it's so vitally important because you're right. When I present myself, um, as I did to uh, the youth that you brought to Ottawa, or when I'm in front of a larger audience, maybe 150 people at one of my events, or even on the national stage in that Toronto debate when there were 500 people in the audience and it was being broadcast across Canada, I say, you know, I'm Pierre Lemieux, I am socially conservative, I um, am pro-life, and I... I uh, want to protect freedom of speech. I am pro-freedom of speech. And I am Canadian. And these are Canadian values. This is so important that this never be taken away from us. And, you know, sometimes we start to believe what the media keeps telling us. Oh, these are are from another age. You know, Canadians have moved on. No, there are millions and millions, for example, of faith-based Canadians, because I I, I present the argument, just think about churches in every small town, every village, every city, every big city, every province, there are churches and people who practice their faith. They have faith-based values. It numbers in the millions. And then if you add to that pro-life organizations like ARPA and other pro-life organizations in every small town, small village, city, big city, province and region, they all have memberships. Add that to faith-based people, and you can see there are millions and millions of Canadians that share these values. So never, we can never let people take that away from us and say, well, you stand alone. Uh, and if we start to believe that, then we need to remind ourselves we do not stand alone, but we need to speak out more. We need to make our values known, and we have to what I call stand our ground. And that doesn't mean convince everybody. It's nice if we can convince people, but it also what it means fundamentally is not backing up not going quiet not giving away the ground upon which we are standing so i think that this is important in our leadership race because it's important as conservatives because our conservative party is also affected by political correctness by infringement on freedom of speech and as leader i want to push back on that and say we need to stand on what it means to be conservative and we need to act conservative and we need to have discussions that we have not been having um, for whatever reason because It's core to our membership, and that's where people in this leadership race can make their values known by how they vote. Which leadership candidate do they vote for first? That's how they will make their values known and what it is that's important to them.
0: So you worked on Parliament Hill for many years, and a lot of people wonder why it's so difficult to accomplish something and why it's so difficult to speak out on socially conservative values on Parliament Hill. What would you do, tell our listeners about what it's like to work as a committed social conservative in the halls of power?
1: Right. So so you're right. I was a member of Parliament for 10 years. I won three elections. Uh, my riding was key to us uh, forming a conservative minority government in 2006 and winning again in 2008 and winning a majority in 2011. And, you know, there is a lot of pressure to uh, not talk about social conservative uh, values not talk about faith based values and not talk about life values however we just need to stand our ground and that's what I did as a politician throughout those 10 years i raised these issues in the house formally um you know standing in my place being recognized by the speaker and 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 um, raising these issues also within our caucus with our colleagues and in my riding and whenever i traveled um, you know if i was meeting with people who shared these values i would advocate these values. And I think that that's important. I think that we have to give voice. If we want our voice to be heard, we have to speak up. If we don't speak up, our voice, of course, will not be heard. And then we will think that we stand alone because, you know, I don't I don't hear anyone else speaking about this. So we all have a role to play. And uh, we all have a role in terms of making our voices heard. And that's what I did during our 10 years in uh, my 10 years in Parliament. But, you know, that's what each one of us needs to do wherever we happen to be in life. If we're a student, we need to stand our ground on these issues as a student. If we're in the workplace, we need to stand our ground on on these issues in the workplace. If we're a member of parliament or an MLA, we need to stand our ground on these issues in the political sphere. And so by doing so, then we recognize, hey, these values are alive and well,
0: and and well supported
1: throughout Canadian
0: society. Well, and this Interesting question of self-censorship constantly crops up because when a lot of people will say we would like to bring those issues up, but we can't afford to, and then Pierre Lemieux shows up, brings up these issues, and in fact gains support rather than loses it, and doesn't get crucified in the media, even when they try to crucify you and your campaign, it has not been effective so far. And when you start to look at what groups that are on the ground have to say, so I work with the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. We go door to door and have discussions about abortion right through Toronto in heavily liberal ridings. And nearly every single door that we knock on, people are stunned the, that abortion is legal throughout all nine months of pregnancy, and huge, huge numbers of people are pro-family, they're pro-life, they're very opposed, for example, to assisted suicide because they they almost reverence the elderly members of their family, and these people have just simply not been appealed to on those issues. It's not as if uh, those people, you know, recently became socially conservative or abandoned their socially conservative views. It's simply believe that they've never had anybody knock on their door and talk to them about those issues, so nobody realizes that, for example, there are entire communities of new immigrants who hold very, very uh, family-oriented values, but the, the narrative is that we can't discuss these issues because Canadians don't want to talk about that, but the Canadians that we talk to are saying, well, nobody's ever brought this up.
1: Right. And I agree. And and I think that's why we need to bring these uh, important subjects and these important issues up, because there are Canadians, millions of Canadians to whom these issues are very important, but they don't feel they're represented. It's certainly not in the political sphere, not in the public square. And so, you know, different people react different ways. Sometimes they compromise on how they vote. Well, no one's talking about that. So I I guess i better vote for this person or for this uh, party, you know, they, they would they would like something better, but they feel nothing has been offered. And yet when we do talk about it, like I am in my campaign, then it resonates and they're drawn to this. And I cannot tell you, uh, Jonathan, how many people have said, you know, I've given up on politics. Pol- politicians do not represent me. They do not represent my core values. They have not for a long time. But you know what? I'm back in now, Pierre. I'm back in because of you, because of what you're saying, because you are speaking my language and about what's important to me i'm back in i bought a membership i'm going to vote for you and that is just very invigorating i think for everybody because when we do start to speak about these important issues it does resonate with canadians and they do respond and they they do become politically engaged again and that's that's so critically important and it actually shows like this is what's interesting with um this particular leadership campaign you're right like like People would say, well, don't talk about those things. And I'm actually advocating these uh, values as a strength to our country and a strength to our party. They are part of my platform. They make my platform wider than most other candidates are offering. And so how has that been resonating with Canadians? You know, if you look at the polling numbers, a lot of the polling numbers are flawed because I'm sure many of your listeners, Jonathan, have received the polling phone call that says, who are you listing first? Who are you listing second? Who are the eight candidates to choose from? And you go, well, hold on. There are 13 candidates running. Your poll is flawed from the outset because you've already limited my choices. Right. So what numbers can we look at in terms of engagement? How about Elections Canada? They just released uh, fundraising numbers uh, about three weeks ago. And one of the most uh, important metrics that they released was how many people, Canadians and Conservative members, have reached into their pockets to give their own hard-earned money to a candidate. So how many people are financially supporting each candidate? That was what they ran. I am in the top three. I am in the top three. So not in the middle, not in the bottom third, in the top three. I am higher than Andrew Scheer. I am higher than Erin O'Toole. I am higher than Lisa Raitt. I am higher than Michael Chong and everybody else except for two people above me. So this is exciting news because it shows that Canadians... Are interested in what I'm saying. Uh, Interested enough. It's resonating enough that they are reaching into their pockets and donating to my campaign. That is a metric that cannot be twisted or shaped. Um, It is just a metric released by Elections Canada. It's hard data. And there you go. Top three with this messaging. So this messaging is resonating and I'm glad to see it.
0: So how do we keep this discussion going? I would say one of the main effects that I've seen you have on this conservative leadership race is that social conservative issues have actually been surfacing in the lingo and the campaign speak of other candidates, because they, they've, they've watched you do this, they've seen it resonate, and they do it too, so Maxime Bernier has taken it upon himself to condemn sex election abortion, even though he's very pro-choice. Uh, Rick Peterson is also very pro-choice, but sent out an email saying that social conservatives would be welcome in his party, which I would point out as well as a far cry from a lot of the commentary that was happening just after Harper's election, where people like Tasha Carradine were saying, you know, social conservatives cost them the election and they should go. So you've already created space for social conservatives in the conservative party. I think that's undeniable when you have pro-choice conservative leadership candidates coming out voluntarily bringing up the abortion issue and saying that that would be a discussion they would be willing to countenance. But how do we keep this movement going now? So we know what will happen if you win. But there's a, you've brought a lot of people into politics uh, that are here because of what you've been saying, because of what you've been putting forward. Uh, what happens if you're not leader? How do you keep those people involved? And how do you keep going with your message? I'm not suggesting a speaking her because I'm sure you're probably pretty tired <laughs> of being on the road by now, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so I've done, you're right, I've done 120
1: events across our country, (laughs) uh, meeting with Canadians and, you know, uh, just expressing who I am, why I'm running in this race and why this race is so important to Canadians and to Conservative members. And uh, my advice would be the following, that, that people continue to speak up about the things that are important to them and that they communicate with the new leader and the leader's team to ask for action on these issues. So you're right, my very presence in the race has helped Changed the landscape, and it has basically uh, resulted in other leadership candidates recognizing that people with social conservative values, faith-based values, and life values, they are a presence, you know, a noticeable presence within the party and within Canadian society, and they need to be recognized. They need to be addressed. And so it is very important for people who have these values to continue to be heard, First, they're going to be heard by joining the party, but most importantly, by their vote and how it is that they're voting in this leadership race. But regardless of who the leader is, it is important that they continue to communicate with the new leader and with their team uh, in order to make their views known and to make their expectations known. To say, well, are we going to be moving on this? Will, will I see an initiative on that? Uh, we need to move in this direction. And I think that that kind of messaging, that consistent messaging, that, that continues to reach outwards and bring more Canadians in to the political process, that will benefit, uh, that will benefit everybody, that will hopefully yield some tangible fruit um, from all of this work that's been done during this leadership race.
0: So what the listeners are going to want to know is, are you going to run again? Because you've positioned yourself in, in, in a very similar way to Elizabeth May that she has a, 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 a lot of loyalty among a lot of people she, she speaks for that aren't used to having somebody speak so openly on their issues. Now, you have the same thing. As I said, a lot of people who have joined politics simply because uh, they were encouraged and inspired by the fact that you spoke out on the things that are most important to them, while many politicians, even who hold their values, don't do so uh, um, because, because they're afraid. So what are you going to do with this influence? Are you going to run again?
1: I am very open uh to running again. Uh, you know, depending on the outcome of this race on May twenty seventh. I mean if I become leader, I will be fully engaged. I will be running again uh to ensure I have a seat in Parliament. that uh, uh-huh. much is certain. If if I for some reason I am not the leader, then I am very open to running again in two thousand and nineteen. Uh we will see what God has in store. Uh I've learned, you know, Pierre I mean, used to have a five year plan and then Pierre learned <laughs> You know, I could hardly see one week in front of me, <laughs> so it's good to have a plan and, and an expectation, but we're not at 2019 yet, but I am very open uh, to running again. I felt I felt, uh, me being a member of Parliament was an extremely good fit for me, and what it was God uh, was ask, is, is asking me to do and was asking me to do throughout those 10 years, the skill sets. Uh, which I have and with which he blessed me. So as we move into 2019, of course, there will be discernment and the conditions have to be right. Uh, But I'm very open to running again. uh, I believe that I can continue to serve Canadians and Conservative members uh, across our country uh, as a member of Parliament.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to explain all this to us.
1: Well, thank you, Jonathan. I really appreciate you uh, having me on your show.